the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dr. Burks has a book. You remember Dr. Burks. That would be Deborah Burks, the woman with the scarves, uh, the former White House coronavirus response coordinator. She was wrong about half the things that she said and or predicted when she was in position to have everything. She did have a direct influence on everybody's everyday life. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the title of her book because I don't want her to sell any books. And here's one of many reasons why. This is what she said back in August of 2020. I wish that when we went into lockdown, we looked like Italy. When Italy locked down, I mean, people weren't allowed out of their houses. They couldn't come out but once every two weeks to buy groceries for one hour, and they had to have a certificate that said they were allowed. Americans don't react well to that kind of prohibition. No kidding. This lunatic wanted the United States to look like Italy. This just Do you remember Italy during the height of the hysteria? She probably would say that she likes what they're doing in China right now, but she doesn't have the guts. Uh, this is the person who spoke to the country just about every day, and we were all expected to hang on her every word because she was, you know, an expert. I saw part of the interview she did on CNN back then, and the anchor, after hearing that comment about wishing we were more like Italy, uh, said uh, she agreed with her, and then she put up numbers on a graphic showing how many people had died and how many people still have COVID and blah, blah, blah. So Dr. Burks has a book out, and if you'd like to read about how she doesn't believe we were tortured enough when she was calling the shots, be my guest. If it's up to me, I'm going to make sure I don't fail to miss it. And when we come back after this break, we're going to talk about Elon Musk buying Twitter and what it means or doesn't mean. And then in our second half hour, the Supreme Court heard the case yesterday about a high school football coach who was fired for saying prayers after games. And some liberals' heads are exploding because they're afraid prayer might be coming back to the schools. Stick around. It's easy and profitable to be kind to others when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Each day for 30 days, we'll post a new act of kindness that you can do for others. On June 1st, you could win $5,000, and a deserving organization will also receive $5,000 in your name. You can make a difference in others' lives when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Enter the Kindness Challenge today at TheAnswerPGH.com. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to CancerScreenQuiz.com now and take the American Cancer Society's two-minute cancer screening quiz to find out what screening tests are right for you. Don't wait. Take the quiz. Get screened. Go to CancerScreenQuiz.com now. CancerScreenQuiz.com. Make a difference in your life that impacts you for years to come by traveling to Israel. 
this year. Sign up today for the thrill and excitement of visiting the Holy Land this November with nationally syndicated media host Dr. Sebastian Gorka and renowned author and filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com for details and to register. On the tour, you'll step into history with mouth-watering cuisine, picturesque scenes, and magnificent people while visiting over 40 iconic sites and sacred places you've only read and heard about for years. Pray at the Western Wall in Jerusalem, float in the mineral-rich Dead Sea, and take a boat onto the middle of the Sea of Galilee as you experience something transforming in your life. Call 855-565-5519 to reserve your spot. Again, visit StandWithIsraelTour.com to book your trip today. Connecticut hedge fund CEO David McCormick desperately sought President Trump's endorsement, but failed because of his liberal, woke, pro-Biden and pro-China record. Some of the opponents, I have to tell you, are very pro-China, and they're going to let China eat our lunch. We can't let that happen. Other candidates like Jeff Bartos and Carla Sands are more conservative than David McCormick. Bartos and Sands sought Trump's endorsement, too, but President Trump picked Dr. Oz. He is pro-life, and he is very, very much in favor of the Second Amendment. He'll fight for strong borders. He's got a movement going along with our movement, and he's very well supported by people like Sean Hannity. I see ads in Pennsylvania where they're all claiming that they have my support. They don't have my support. The only one that has my support is Dr. Oz. Endorsed by Trump, pro-gun, pro-life. Dr. Oz for Senate. I'm Dr. Mehmet Oz, the candidate for U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Paid for by Dr. Oz for Senate. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. So maybe you've heard that uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter. Uh, it's kind of been in the news a lot lately. You may also have heard the sound of liberal heads exploding all over the country because conservatives might actually be having their voices heard a lot more on the site. Doug Blair of the Heritage Foundation is a podcast host and a news producer at The Daily Signal. He joins us now. Doug, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. So uh, could the liberals' response to this have been any more predictable, do you think? Oh, my God, it was the scariest thing I've ever seen. This idea that having conservative voices on your platform as like a dire threat is just very concerning. Yeah, they're, uh, they, 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 apparently they haven't noticed what's been going on on there in the last 10 or 12 years. Absolutely. Now, this is the, the, the weird thing to me is that I think the fact that liberals and, and leftists have been so concerned that, that Elon Musk is going to do what they've done to us over all this time is right. very telling. I mean, I, I think one of the things that the left expected is that they were going to have dominance over social media like Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook for many, many years to come. Mm-hmm. And now the fact that they're actually going to have to share the platform with people who they don't agree with is terrifying to them, which it really shouldn't be. I mean, we should be able to get along, but apparently in, this, in, in 2022, it's impossible for liberals to get along with conservatives. Well, I've been wondering for a while. Um, I, uh, I'm a conservative, and I've put things on Twitter like uh, that I think that Dr. Rachel Levine is actually a man and things like that, and that you know Leah Thomas is a man. And I, got, I think I got suspended for a day or two for one of those. Um, and, but I was stuck on exactly, four, I mean, exactly 14,800 followers for two years. Two years. It didn't move up or down. Which made no sense to me. And yesterday, yesterday, I went to fourteen thousand nine hundred. Do you think I should thank Elon for that, or is that just a coincidence? No, I think that what we're seeing now is a genuine shift in the right direction towards more free speech. Elon Musk has also decided that he wants to make Twitter more trustworthy. One of the reasons that he's he's kind of concerned about the health of the of the platform is because he he sees that there are these these accounts, spam accounts, or uh, accounts that only exist to just harass people as existing on the platform, and he wants to get rid of that as well. So I think one of the things that's very fascinating is that he genuinely believes that Twitter can be a force for good, that it isn't right now. The fact that the left has completely dominated it, is banning people, is you know, preventing people like you from, from you know, reaching people and getting more followers, but that he believes that there is potential in Twitter for them to, to do good in the world. I mean, I think that he recognizes that Twitter has become a modern-day digital public square, and that Americans shouldn't lose their First Amendment rights when they go online to discuss things in that digital square. 
One of the things I see Elon being uh, beaten up on today on Twitter is the forty. Well, the uh, things he could have done with the forty-four billion that he spent on Twitter. He could have ended uh, hunger in America. He, you know, all the things he could have done. And it's funny because I've never. I don't remember seeing a lot of that uh, about Bill Gates or Bezos. Absolutely. I mean, this is just distraction, right? I, I don't think anybody is genuinely saying that, that, that Elon Musk should have done something else with that money. They're just annoyed that he's, he's breaking up their party, that the left has had a stranglehold on Twitter for a very long time. And now that he has that capacity to change things for the better, he's probably going to do it. And so there are a couple of things that we hope here at the Heritage Foundation he'll do. He's already promised to do a couple of these things, but the one big thing is transparency. He said that he wants Twitter to be uh, to be more transparent. He wants them to reveal their algorithms so that they can't just hide behind uh, the algorithm as a shield when people accuse them of censoring conservatives. So I think that that would be a wonderful step. I think that he also is probably going to focus more on free speech. He gave a really poignant response uh, when he announced that he was buying Twitter, where he said, I hope that my critics stay on the platform because that's what free speech is. He's absolutely right. There should be you know, healthy, vibrant debate online where we, we, decide, we decide what is best for the country, where we can have those types of discussions. So again, I, I think that this is a really positive development, but I will say it is very important that we don't put all of our stock in Elon Musk and mm-hmm. that we actually take accountability for ourselves to make sure that big tech platforms like Twitter, like Facebook, and like YouTube do not trample on Americans' rights in the future. Yeah, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the Ku Klux Klan should have a a, a, a Twitter account. I hate everything they stand for, obviously, but let's let them go, let them rip. And, and in some ways, you when people like that are given a platform, all they do is make idiots of themselves and prove why they probably shouldn't have a platform. Absolutely, and it's it's. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned the Ku Klux Klan because the ACLU who famously in the past used to defend organizations like the Ku Klux Klan or neo-Nazis or some of the worst people in the, on the planet, is now coming out and saying that the fact that there's going, to be on free, there's going to be free speech on Twitter is a problem. They're starting to say that you know, free speech is a recipe for disaster. That is a very bad indication that the society that we're living in right now has suffered enormous rot. Obviously, the values of free speech and open expression are what make America America. It's what makes America great that we can express these things, even if they're unpopular. So when we're seeing that these groups like the ACLU are going to push forth and they're going to basically say, no, Twitter needs to start banning people, that's a larger societal problem that we need to address. Well, uh, Sonny Hostin uh, of uh, The View, which is a a group of four of the dumbest women ever assembled in one TV studio. I think might be the dumbest ever assembled in one TV studio. She said that uh, this is now just uh, uh, Twitter is just going to be for white, uh, straight white males. That's that's this is the kind of stuff you're getting from people who are supposed to be intelligent. Absolutely. I mean, this is again, this is this is one of the things that they're just angry that they can't dominate the narrative anymore because Twitter has been very responsible for causing a lot of the issues in the country because they're so divisive. When you only are allowed to access one side of, of information, if the only person that's allowed to speak is a leftist, you're going to have a very skewed version of what the country actually wants. There was a fascinating study, and I don't want to quote exact numbers because I don't have the study in front of me, but it basically determined that if Twitter was a congressional district, it would be something like D plus 55. It would be the most, by far, the most progressive, by far the most democratic and left district in the country. And again, like we don't want these types of people determining policy for America, but for whatever reason we have now, Twitter is outsized. It's, it's a massively important uh, piece of de- te- uh, technical infrastructure. And the fact that we need to be dealing with this, the fact that we have this Twitter thing in our lives means that we need to understand what it's doing and how it's going to do it. So if Elon Musk is going to keep his word and he's going to focus on making this toxic platform better, more focused on free speech, more accepting of conservatives who are allowed to express opinions that maybe the left doesn't like, that can only be positive. But again, like I'm saying, this doesn't have to end with Elon Musk. It needs to actually focus on a conservative legislative solution to make sure that big tech doesn't have nearly as much power as it does right now. We're talking to Doug Blair of the Heritage Foundation, um, uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter. How long will it take, do you think, uh, Doug, before real changes are noticeable? I mean, I, I, I mentioned 
I got 100 followers. I don't think the, the rest of the country is going to be all excited about that. But um, it, 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 how long do you think before everybody's talking about how much it's changed? That's a great question, and hopefully sooner rather than later. I think that it can't come soon enough. But what I am thinking, too, is that there's going to be an adjustment period where the left starts to recognize that their power is waning. There will be the Sonny Hoskins on The View who are going to say things like, get off Twitter. Twitter is now a hive of scum and villainy, to quote Star Wars. But the idea that you're not going to be able to be on Twitter anymore because Elon Musk has made it a space for free speech, I just don't think that's going to stick. But I do think that we're going to see, over the next couple of weeks, probably a focus on uh, increasing free speech, on increasing the ability of people to maybe come back to the platform who have been banned for, for wrong think. I know we saw uh, Megan Murphy, who is a Canadian feminist, who was banned from the platform a couple of years ago for stating that a biological man, as you were saying, was a man, and that got banned for hate speech. I think we're going to possibly see the return of those people because this was, again, it wasn't actually anything morally wrong. It wasn't illegal. It wasn't against the law. It was literally just something that Twitter didn't like. Hopefully with the return of some of these people or with some clarifications on what is actually a legal policy, we're going to see some of those returns to a more free speech focused platform and increasing the health of both the platform and the society that it exists in. Uh, what I know about how this stuff works, you could write on the head of a pin. I mean, I, I just know when I type into my in the, in the Twitter, it shows up on Twitter. I don't know anything about the, the technology involved and how they shadow ban people and all the things that they do. But it seems like they many times they've uh, they've claimed that, oh, we didn't really mean to ban that person or suspend that person. Uh, that was a mistake. The mistakes are always in the same direction. They've always been – you don't see liberals getting uh, canceled because of a mistake. It's always a conservative who they later apologize for. I'm so glad you mentioned that because there are, again, a couple of solutions that might actually mitigate a lot of those problems. The first one, like I mentioned, Elon Musk has said he wants Twitter to be more transparent. He wants it so that the algorithm can't be used as some you know, bush to hide behind when people say, hey, why the heck are you banning so many conservatives? If you, if you reveal the algorithm and how the algorithm is, quote-unquote, banning people without any human intervention, then you'll start to see that that's a lie. You'll start to see that it's a conscious decision by a lot of these places to ban conservatives. We have the evidence. We have you know, detailed records of how they do this. So more transparency is always better. Secondarily, there's a, a very often mentioned law, but very misunderstood law called Section 230. This is a law that was invented back when the Internet was very young, when people were still using AOL Instant Messenger as a way to communicate. Uh, it's ancient. It's archaic. It needs to be updated. It needs to be reformed. A lot of companies will use Section 230 as, again, a shield to prevent themselves from being liable for, for censoring conservatives and being publishers rather than platforms. So we need to reform that. Thirdly, and this is actually something that doesn't get nearly enough attention, but it's crucially important, is online spaces and big tech is actually horrible for young people's mental health. We saw in, in testimony to Congress that Facebook was well aware of the impact that a lot of the content it was showing to young girls was super, super detrimental to their health. We saw a rise in self-harm. We saw a rise in things like anorexia and bulimia. And in certain cases, we saw a rise in suicide. So we need to create certain safeguards and certain barriers so that vulnerable populations like young women aren't going to be preyed upon online and they're not going to be attacked on their mental health if they're going to be able to go online and not fear for the fact that they might you know, end up killing themselves. Just yesterday, I was leaving work. I almost ran over a looked like a college age kid, a guy. Uh, he, uh, I was making a right hand turn, and he was uh, on the street where I was turning to. He was going to cross the street, and he almost stepped right in front of me. I had to beep my horn, and I, I yelled at him. I had the window down. I said, "Watch where you're going." He was looking at his phone. I mean, I know that's nothing to do with Twitter or not related to what you were talking about there, about how it can affect people. But to me, that's just a sign of it. This this idiot can't walk across the street without looking at his smartphone for 12 seconds. And that's everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, again, I, I think that that also is one of those things where the legislation can't really help. This is now a societal wide effort that we need to decouple ourselves from big tech and we need to decouple ourselves from technology like we used to have in the past. Maybe I'm going to sound like an old fashioned bogey, but this idea that you were able to sort of go to church, you were able to build relationships offline. You were able to have social connection that didn't involve technology. 
Americans used to be able to do this, no problem. But with the advent of things like social media, big tech, we're starting to see those social relationships fray. And this has very dire consequences for the country as a whole. Before big tech and before social media, Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives were able to at least get along. Cards on the table. I'm from Portland, Oregon, and I had very good friends who were completely to the left of me. But we were still friends because we recognized that we were people. We just disagreed on politics. With the rise of things like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, of course, we're starting to see those types of relationships go away. You can't be friends with a liberal because, you know, they're, they're bad people. You can't be friends with a conservative because they're evil racist bigots. That wasn't how it used to be. But we need to start going in a direction where big tech and social media doesn't have such a disparate impact on our everyday lives. Talking to Doug Blair of the Heritage Foundation, and I will say that uh, what you just pointed out I agree with, but I happen to, maybe it's just because I'm a conservative, but I, I get the distinct impression that uh, liberals are much more likely to end friendships because you're a conservative than vice versa. I don't know if you've noticed that. There's no that. question. Yeah, there's no question that that is absolutely 100% true. Like I mentioned before, I had friends back home. Who, who severed connections with me after they learned where I worked. And they mm-hmm. would say things like, oh, I didn't know you were a racist or a bigot. And that hurts. Right, right, right. But, I mean, I mean it's, it's not, again, I don't want to push blame on these people. I do think that we live in an environment now which is hyper-polarized, and that they, the, the blame for that does fall pretty squarely on social media. If all you're consuming, and a lot of these social media companies will do this, if all you're consuming is these, this media that is being pushed by Facebook and Twitter to get you pissed off, you're not going to see the other side as somebody that you can have a rational conversation with. And again, I don't want to, to, to give the left any credit here. They definitely have, have done this themselves, obviously claiming that the former president was a massive racist and that anybody who right. voted for him was also just as racist as he was is not helpful. But the idea that a lot of these ideas were being pushed by social media companies really does need to be taken into account. And it needs to be taken into account how we're going to legislate and how we're going to regulate these companies. Could the tech companies do to Twitter what they did to Parler? In terms of shutting it down? Yeah, I mean, they just put them out of business. It's entirely possible. I think one of the things about Twitter is that its market share is so big. I also think that it would be a lot more difficult to do that to Twitter than it would be to do to Parler. Parler was such a new app. It was so, uh, it was as a competitor to a lot of these things. Whereas where I think the genius of what Elon Musk did is he used his massive wealth to be able to buy out the biggest purveyor of a lot of this social media misinformation slash, uh, you know, hegemony, right? He was able to basically take it over from within because he had the, the means to do so. Now, whether or not that means that Twitter is going to survive in an Elon Musk, in a post-Musk world, I don't know. The question to that is still up in the air. My assumption is that it will, but anything is possible. I mean, a week ago, we didn't think that Twitter was going was gonna to accept the deal. So it's a brave new world out there. My hope is that we start to see some positive changes in the direction of free speech, of open communication, of transparency. But again, anything is possible, and it, it could go very, very wrong. Uh, this did really happen fast. Does everybody, including uh, maybe especially uh, the media, pay way too much attention to Twitter? Is it given more value than it actually deserves based on the actual number of people who really tweet? Absolutely. Like I mentioned, Twitter would be a, a massively Democratic district. It would be D something like plus 55. It would be even bluer than New York City. And that's not representative of what the American people are. The American people are pretty evenly divided. There's Democrats, there's Republicans. Not everybody is a raging leftist who thinks that there's 65 genders and that you should give hormones to children. But the idea that Twitter is, is influential or whether it should be influential is sort of irrelevant with the idea that, yeah, Twitter dictates the conversation. Could we move in a direction where Twitter doesn't have as much impact on free speech and on the public discourse? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely should. But the idea that we can just do that and snap things and say, voila, it's done, is it's not reasonable. So I think what we need to recognize as conservatives that even though we don't like Twitter, we don't want Twitter to have this much influence. It's a beast we have to deal with. There are some common sense solutions like opening transparency, reforming Section 230, and installing safeguards so that vulnerable populations aren't going to be preyed upon by these big tech companies. Those are some pretty common sense solutions that we can institute today to get a lot of the worst aspects of social media gone. But yeah, like I said before, we should also be moving in the direction of the old-fashioned times where people actually talked with each other without a phone in their hands. Imagine that.
What a concept. I'm out of time. Real quick, what's your t- uh, Twitter handle? Can people find you on Twitter? Absolutely. And hopefully in a post-Musk world, in a free speech-focused <laughs> Twitter, you can find me at, at Douglas K. Blair. All right. Very good. Hope to have you on again, Doug. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmytro Kaliba says in order to win the war, Ukraine needs more help from the West. As long as Russian soldier puts a foot on Russia, on Ukrainian soil, nothing is enough. And I want to be straight on it. We appreciate everything that has been done, including by the United States. We understand that for some, what has been done is already a revolution. But this is not enough as long as the war continues. Russia continues pounding eastern and southern Ukraine as the U.S. Defense Secretary Austin promised to, quote, keep moving heaven and earth to get Kiev the weapons it needs to repel the new offensive. On Wall Street, the Dow is down nearly 590 points and the Nasdaq off 375. This is SRN News. Are you unhappy with your Medicare supplement plan? Are you paying too much for doctors or drugs? Did you know that you don't need to wait for the annual enrollment period to switch plans? You heard me right. With Chapter, you can apply to switch your Medicare supplement plan whenever you want. Chapter is a free service that helps you make sure you are on the right Medicare plan for your needs. Chapter searches thousands of options to find a plan that best suits your specific health care needs and could save you thousands of dollars each year. Because healthcare should be your choice, not a bureaucrat's decision. Whether you're already enrolled in a Medicare supplement plan or you're new to Medicare, call Chapter and make sure your choice is the right choice. It could be the last call you ever need to maximize your Medicare benefits. The service is free. So call today. Call 800-611-9422. 800-611-9422. AM 1250, The Answer, The Mike Gallagher Show. I have such a problem with these kinds of sting operations. Does the FBI not have real crime to investigate? Instead of concocting crimes to try to, you know, go trolling for yahoos, now the government looks pretty stupid because there was either a hung jury or there was an outright acquittal. Breaking news and what to make of it. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250, The Answer. Hear the latest reporting and analysis on the big stories of the day on the Daybreak Insider Podcast. It's top-notch reporting from SRN News, along with the sharpest insight from Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Dennis Prager, Sebastian Gorka, and the voices of townhall.com. The Daybreak Insider Podcast. It's your first look at today's top stories. Available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and at SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Balance of Nature's Fruits and Vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. This product is life-changing, and I tell everyone what a blessing down to nature. Fruits and vegetables is it's amazing, absolutely phenomenal. I'm telling you right now, this is an amazing thing. 30 days after taking this, everything is, is perfect. I could not be more happy. What a blessing. So good job, down to nature. Good job. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code Balance. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. 
On the Parkway West, we're looking pretty solid inbound between Carnegie and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Almost to a 10-minute delay. Parkway East, busy both ways, but especially inbound from Forest Hills to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel and Solid Boulevard of the Allies to the Fort Pitt Bridge. On outbound 51, delays from Midwood Avenue to Library Road, but just a few extra minutes there. Police activity, Wilkinsburg-Franklin Avenue near Pitt Street. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Patchy clouds and colder tonight. We'll see a late night rain or snow shower in spots. The low 35. A shower in spots tomorrow morning. Otherwise, mostly cloudy skies and breezy with a high of 43. Turning out clear and cold tomorrow night. Temperatures breaking the record of 29. Set back in 1934. There will be a freeze with a low of 28. Partly sunny and cold Thursday with a high of 50. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the Supreme Court made a lot of liberals nervous yesterday. It uh, heard the case of Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. It's all about a former high school football coach in Washington State who never thought he'd be taking his case to the Supreme Court. John Bursch is the VP of uh, Appellate Advocacy and Senior Counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom, and he joins us now. John, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So uh, th- this wasn't an Alliance Defending Freedom case, but you filed an amicus brief um, on, on behalf of several current and former NFL players, including names that I think people will recognize, uh, Kirk Cousins and Nick Foles were two of them. Uh, could you give us a quick explanation of what an amicus brief is and what you hope to accomplish with that? Yeah, a- amicus is simply a Latin word for friend. And so an amicus or amicus brief is a friend of the court brief, and it's one where someone who is not a party to the case but has some interest in the case files something that it thinks would be helpful for the court to hear. And with these current and former NFL players, each one of them at some point in their lives was influenced by a, a coach or an administrator at a public school, whether in high school or in college, um, about their Christian faith. And they want to make sure that this so-called wall of separation between church and state which doesn't really exist. That's just a, a figment of people's imagination. It, it isn't in the Constitution. But this would not prohibit uh, public employees from being able to continue to live out their religion in private ways, in ways that may or may not influence students, uh, that, that there's nothing in the Constitution that prohibits someone from saying a silent prayer at school. So the coach, uh, his name is Joe Washington. Uh, he used to kneel in prayer on the 50-yard line after every game and then I guess uh, it developed into where some players asked to join him, and uh, then what happened? Yeah, actually, the name is Joe Kennedy, Coach Kennedy from the state of Washington. My fault, Joe Kennedy, Uh, sorry. Yes, and that's exactly how things started. Um, It wasn't anything where he asked players to participate in a prayer or forced players to participate in a prayer. That never happened. He just did it silently by himself, and then some players asked if they could join him, and he said, hey, it's a free country, and so they did that. And the, the groups of students who wanted to participate got bigger. And that wasn't a problem for the school until someone from an opposing team school said something to the administration about how they thought it was inappropriate that a coach and students were praying at, at midfield. And so the administration told him, essentially, he couldn't do that anymore. And they, they went so far as to tell him that if he wanted to engage in even private silent prayer, he had to go to a janitor's closet to do it. So that would have prohibited him from even saying grace before a meal in the school cafeteria if other students happened to be present. So was he explicitly fired because of the, uh, of the prayers? Yes, he was put on paid leave pending the outcome of this litigation. Uh, so presumably they will fire him if he does not prevail in the, the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's really unprecedented. If the, the founders of our country at the time they drafted and the people ratified the First Amendment to the Constitution, which guarantees the free exercise of religion, if they knew in, in 2022 that the government would be trying to force employees not to engage in any personal religious exercise uh, while they were employed at work, uh, they would be astounded by that. Um, that's certainly not what the, the free exercise and establishment clause were created to prevent. Uh, <clears throat> this is kind of off the subject, but it's not. Uh, I saw some people on Twitter uh, and other places um, when they saw this case, they uh, and they heard about the news yesterday that it was at the Supreme Court. They said, "Well, I can." One one guy said, uh, "I can guarantee what's going to happen: a black guy 
Uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, he can't kneel before a game, but a white guy can. That's what they see the uh, Supreme Court doing here. Um, There's absolutely no uh, comparison between the two, is there? There's not, because in the NFL, you're talking about private employers. And private employers don't have to abide by the, the U.S. Constitution. That only applies to the government. And so if they want to tell their players what they can and can't do, they are perfectly free to take that position. But what a government entity cannot do is discriminate against a religious believer by telling them that they're not allowed to practice their religion. That's why, for example, a public school can't prevent a a, a Jewish teacher from wearing a yarmulke. It's why they couldn't prevent a a Muslim teacher from quietly in the classroom when the kids are at lunch um, engaging in prayer at noon. Uh, They also can't prevent Coach Kennedy from taking uh, a knee and engaging in a silent private prayer after a game, no matter if other students want to join him. And um, what was the school district's position? Uh, Because it's kind of strange to me that uh, he uh, apparently he had been doing this for a while and they just decided they had a problem with it when an opposing team, which I'm going to guess lost to them, I'm just going to throw that in there, uh, because an opposing team uh, made m- mentioned that they didn't think it was proper. Correct. And, and then they just got kind of excited, overexcited, and, and wanted to do something about this. You know, and, and so their takeaway is that the coach could not engage in demonstrative religious activity that is readily observable to students and the public. You know, that, that's the whole, you have to go to the janitor's closet to pray. Um, you know, under the same logic, he wouldn't be able to wear a T-shirt with a simple cross on it to school. Well, there have been numerous cases that have held that public school teachers and coaches are allowed to continue to wear items that express their religious beliefs. They're even allowed to have personal religious objects on their desk or in their classroom. What they can't do is proselytize or try to coerce their students into following their form of religion. But there's nothing in the Constitution that prevents a public employee from being religious while they're on the job. Yeah, and you made the the comparison to uh, this guy. He would have had uh, uh, Joe Kennedy. It would be like telling him he can't say grace he can't he can't say a prayer bow his head and say a prayer before he eats his lunch in the cafeteria have there been or as far as you know any cases of of, of teachers being told they can't do that i am not aware of any like that and, and this really isn't any different and, and justice barrett i thought asked a, a good question at the argument she asked whether it would be unconstitutional if coach kennedy ran a christian youth group on his own time that some of his players voluntarily chose to attend. And and the obvious answer to that is no, the government cannot dictate to a public employee how they spend their time when they're not working. Well, likely, even when you're at work, there are certain things that you might do that are personal and private to you where you're not trying to bring other people in. But if they choose to engage in that activity, that's entirely up to them. Uh, and, And so that's why that question was such a good analog for this case. We are talking to John Bursch. He's the VP of Appellate Advocacy and Senior Counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. It's the case of Joe Kennedy uh, versus Bremerton School District, and uh, he was a, a high school football coach who um, decided to say a prayer after games, and then some of the students joined him, and it got to be a kind of a big thing, and then he got fired. Um, so the Ninth Circuit, uh, uh, um, those uh, judges ruled against him and in favor of the school district, right? They did. Um, and, and the Ninth Circuit concluded that this was coercive, um, which is a, a funny thing to say, you know, coercive of, of students, because that wasn't the theory that the, the school had for disciplining him, um, the, for putting him on administrative leave. The reason that the school articulated was because they thought that the public would see him praying at the 50-yard line and assume that the school was endorsing religion, which is not true. And so the Ninth Circuit judges changed the story and said, oh, well, if a player didn't participate in this prayer, then they might worry that they would not be given as much playing time or be named a captain of the team. Or a player may choose to get involved in the prayer because they think that the coach would show more favoritism. Well, there's no evidence of any of that in the record. There's been no one who accused Coach Kennedy time or honorary captain degrees or anything like that to anyone based on their participation in prayer. That's something that was made up after the fact. Uh, here's what uh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, the question that he asked, and I saw somewhere that 
this uh, this kind of got the liberals' hopes up because he he was asking a question that that, that they agree with. Kind of ties in with what you just said there. Uh, the question from uh, Kavanaugh was, "What about the player who thinks if I don't participate in this?" I won't start next week, or the player who thinks if I do participate in this, I will start next week. So what do you make of that question? You just kind of covered that, but should anybody start think that that means that Brett Kavanaugh is starting to side with the district, school district? Yeah, I, I don't think so. To me, that it sounded that when he asked that, that it was a bit of a, a softball to the, the lawyer. And I think the, the appropriate response to that is if anyone is concerned about that, all the school has to do is ask the coach and tell the players, hey, you all realize that you don't have to participate in this prayer. I'm doing this on my own account, and I promise you that no one's playing time or status on the team is going to be affected by whether or not you participate in the prayer. This is between me and God. But like I said to the very first student who asked if they could participate, this is a free country, and if you want to join me, you can. You know, and, and if you're clear like that, then there's no need to punish the coach for continuing to engage in the, the silent prayer. But the thing that I thought was more interesting that Justice Kavanaugh said, and this was echoed by a couple of other justices, um, he seemed to be open to the idea that the court should overrule its Lemon precedent. And, and Lemon is an old establishment clause case that was used for many years to justify erecting a higher and higher wall between church and state. And it's been widely discredited. In the last major establishment clause case the court considered, which involved a large memorial cross for veterans, uh, not a single one of the nine justices endorsed the lemon test or said that it was still good law. And so it's possible the justices could use this case to get rid of uh, an old precedent that doesn't accurately reflect the words of the Constitution and, and make clear that separation of church and state means the state doesn't get to endorse or force people to have a particular religion, but it doesn't require a wall either. There's nothing in the Constitution that requires a wall. And I'm not an attorney by any means, but it seemed kind of obvious to me that that whole argument, uh, you know, because, because isn't how the coach responds to the player's willingness to participate a separate issue from whether the coach has a right to pray? Their response to his prayer is not something that's covered by the Constitution. And if they, if they, as you mentioned, they didn't find um, examples of kids feeling like they were discriminated against because they didn't pray, that, that, that's, it's kind of taken the easy way out. If the, if the school has any suspicions about that or the parents of the kid has any suspicion about that, they confront the coach, they confront the school, and you work it out. But that shouldn't be a, a constitutional issue. Exactly. That, that's a practical question about how you work things out. Now, if the, the coach had directly told the students, hey, this is my religion, and if you participate in it, you'll start, and if you don't, then you're out, you know, then, then that creates a constitutional problem. But there's no evidence anything like that ever happened. So here's, uh, and we're finishing up here, we have a little bit of time left, with, um, uh, with John Burse. He's the VP of Appellate Advocacy and Senior Counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's what Slate.com said about the arguments yesterday. That's a liberal site, of course, after suggesting that it could mean prayer returning to public schools. Uh, This is a quote. The case is built on a series of brazen laws designed to depict the plaintiff, Coach Joe Kennedy, as a victim of anti-Christian discrimination. And we we raised the students whom he coerced into prayer. A majority of the court will likely buy into this fiction and elevate schools officials' ability to proselytize over students' right against state-sponsored indoctrination. How do you respond to that statement? That's just absurd, because there are no facts in the record to support the slate theory that somehow this is going to result in proselytizing and prayer in schools. And the simple fact is, from the very beginning, Coach Kennedy simply wanted to engage in a quiet, private, personal prayer. The fact that others wanted to join in didn't make his prayer any less private. It just meant that they were participating in his private prayer, and students have the freedom to do that. That This wasn't a teacher standing in front of a class demanding that they participate in a prayer, otherwise they would get a poor grade on on the next exam or or in that class. Um, You know, but what that does, those kinds of articles, they, they cloud the issue, and they try to put political pressure on the court to do something in a way that will restrict personal religious freedom. And that may be a goal that Slate wants to pursue, but that's certainly not what the Constitution says. Could a win in this case uh, lead to prayer returning to public schools? Could it, could it be that monumental, this decision here? 
Well, you know, I, I read a long time ago that as long as there are tests, there will be prayer in public schools. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that the point of that is that on a personal basis, students as well as teachers, staff, administrators, whoever, um, they're always free to pray. They have been since the, the ratification of our Constitution, and they remain free to do that today. Uh, what we, we can have in school are compulsory group prayers led in a classroom that forces students to pray against their will or coerces them into doing so by some incentive or penalty. And, and that's simply not what's going on here. Is anybody, is it, is it possible at this point, because it's been so ingrained into everybody's mind that there is this wall that you mentioned doesn't exist, the separation of church and state, I, I think if you took a survey, most people would tell you that it's in the Constitution. And, and so they would. And, and you know what it was? It, it was in a letter that, that Thomas Jefferson wrote eons ago. And he wasn't talking about keeping religion out of government. He was talking about ensuring that the government did not establish a state-sponsored religion, you know, that the United States couldn't establish an official religion the same way that we establish an official language or an official speed limit for our, our, our highways. But that language got sucked into a U.S. Supreme Court opinion in the 1800s, and it's kind of grown and blossomed since then. And it's become a tool for those who dislike religion and don't want religious believers to practice their faith outside their home, uh, outside their, their synagogue, their mosque, or their church, to try to prevent them from participating in the public square. Uh, but there's nothing improper about a, a person of faith um, praying or engaging in other religious activity, whether that be on the job or in the, the business that they run or in any other way. Um, and so the, the sooner that we can get people to understand that this wall is something that those who are opposed to religion are using to stop people from practicing their beliefs, um, the sooner we can get back to the original meaning of the First Amendment. I'm out of time, John. When will, this, when will they rolling come down? Uh, likely by the end of June. I would look for it the, the very last week of June. Very good. John, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay, that's John Bursch, VP of Appellate Advocacy and Senior Counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom, and I'll be right back. Why doing it right, roofing, siding, and remodeling? It's simple. It's in their name. Doing it right uses only top quality materials and employs the best installation and management people to install and oversee your project. Family owned and operated for 38 years and with over 45 years of industry experience, you can be confident that your project will be installed the correct way. You'll receive a lifetime labor warranty from doing it right. Doing it right is going to install per manufacturer and NRCA specifications for a complete and headache-free installation. Doing it right is an Owens Corning Platinum Contractor, James Hardy Preferred Contractor. Most importantly, they're affordable, offering great financing options and accepting all major credit cards. Be sure to mention Dennis Prager for a discount off your roofing, siding, and remodeling estimates. Call 724-NEW-ROOF or visit their website at roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com. This is John Sagerwald. You know, I used to think that all towels are pretty much the same, but I found out with my pillow towels that's not the case towels just don't seem to dry anymore they feel soft and lotiony in the stores but you get them home and they don't absorb well mike lindell at my pillow found out that around 2006 towels changed forever they started importing them and adding softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel good but they didn't work he found the best towel company right here in the usa and they have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work they're all made with usa cotton they come with the my pillow 60 day money back guarantee you can get a six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, soft and absorbent, regularly $109.99, now $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 for these great radio specials. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. 
Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, you know, the Democrats and the uh, media, mainstream media, claim that the 2020 presidential election was the most secure election in American history. Uh, you probably don't believe that for a minute. Suspect something went wrong, and you might be shocked to hear the truth. 2,000 Mules is a film that tells the story of the people who tried to hijack a presidential election. And it exposes jaw-dropping evidence about what really happened back in November of 2020. If you visit 2000mules.com and buy your tickets today, you can see the movie on May 2nd or May 4th. Showings are selling out fast. It's going to be shown in some theaters around here. Uh, So buy your tickets before they are gone. Movie tickets will not be available at the box office. So you got to buy them online today. Or you don't have to buy them today, but you have to buy them online. But get them as soon as you can. And that's the number 2000-2000-mules.com. And that movie is uh, produced and narrated by Dinesh D'Souza, who's done some great movies. Um, And he will be my guest on the show here at uh, 535 on Thursday. So get your tickets at uh, 2000mules.com for that one. Uh, so um, we uh, we have the, what is this, day two or day, I guess this is day two of the official takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk. And it's been a lot of fun to watch the, um, watch the liberals' heads exploding and crying. And it says here that, Monday was an emotional day at Twitter, even for its executives. Shortly after billionaire Elon Musk bought the powerful social media platform, top Twitter lawyer Vijaya Gatti called a virtual meeting with the policy and legal team she oversees to discuss what the new ownership could mean for them. And she cried during the meeting as she expressed concern about how the company could change, according to three people familiar with the meeting. Uh, she was crying. You know what that is? Good. They've been they've been in power for way too long. Let's see more crying, more tears. I love it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.